Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Good to be back here tonight. This morning I was at um, Queanbeyan, had a great time down there. Lots of people I don't know, which is always a good sign in church. When there's people you don't know, it means things are happening. There's growth. And so that's a, that was a great thing. We had a good time down there. He had a good time here this morning. Ben Rundle preached up a storm, did he? Yeah. Did he do all right? Did he tell any plumbing stories? No. Window stories. Oh, just get ready. Okay, get ready. We were up at five o'clock this morning praying and fasting. More or less. In actual fact, we weren't doing either. <laughs> we might have been watching TV, watching sport. So we probably need to confess and repent. But anyway, it's good. Loved hearing Deb's story. She's the only person I know who gets kept on detention in art class. <laughs> How's that? Who's been on detention before in school or whatever? A few of us. <laughs> Brad, not you, Brad. Surely not you. <laughs> we didn't have detention in our day. We had the cane. Anybody had the cane? Uh, I got the cane. I got, remember, I got the cane once in high school. This is actually, I don't know, why am I going down this track? But anyway, I got the cane once in, house, in high school and um, this is when I started to believe there really might be a God because what happened was, I can't remember why I got the cane, but I got the cane from a pretty mean French teacher. And um, anyway, it was about a week later and back in those days, we had those hard bags, you know, the... the suitcase type bags that we had at school they were our school bags they weren't the backpacks they were these hard bags and I remember I was racing down the side of a building I ran round the corner straight into the guy who'd given me the cane but my bag was ahead of me and actually got it got him right where it counted and he doubled over in pain and couldn't speak and I ran off and I kind of thought yes there is a god <laughs> Anyway, I don't know where that story... Anyway, there is a God. So, so we're... Uh, it's the 3rd or the 2nd of June. The 2nd of June. Second day of winter today. And uh, we're starting our winter series, Faith That Brings Light. We're wanting to bring light into the dark places of cold Canberra and, uh, and bring light into the dark places and recesses of people's lives that, that we engage with. And uh, in the month of June, we're talking about generosity, obviously. And we love this scripture because this is the scripture for this winter season of our lives are here to be light. God is not a secret to be kept. We are called by God to shine and keep open house, be generous with our lives. That thought about keeping open house and being generous with our lives is, is like a sense of expansing big picture kind of thinking that we actually want to, uh, that we want to kind of focus on through June. And we'll be having our vision builders on the 23rd of June where we finalize our commitments that we made for the year and bring our new ones for the coming year. And we're going to uh, celebrate and uh, have a, a party together, which will be great. Um, and we're going to be... Um, uh, praying into all sorts of things. But this week, as you heard in the announcements, we've got our prayer and fast on Tuesday, uh, sorry, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we want to pray into all sorts of things. We want to give you the opportunity to pray into the needs of your world, pray into the life of our church, pray into our community, the needs of our community. 
And uh, tonight I want to just spend a few moments uh, talking about um, how to make the most of a fast. Because I want to stir you to actually not just give mental assent or token towards the sense of fasting and praying, but actually getting an understanding and grasp on what it is to fast and pray. That uh, when we're generous with our lives, when we, we give away of ourselves, that um, we find that we actually can make a really significant difference. And so fasting and praying are very powerful spiritual disciplines that we've been encouraged and basically taught to embrace. Father, as we come around your word tonight, I pray there would be the seeds of faith that lodge in the soil of our hearts that would want us, inspire us, encourage us, motivate us to follow your example, to follow the example and the teaching of your word in fasting and in prayer. And I pray that in these few days, at the beginning of this season, Lord, that the things that can only be broken by prayer and fasting will be broken, God. Lord, that we would see a fresh release over people's lives. And so I thank you, God, as we uh, lay hold of these principles, they would empower us to serve you and to honor you and to walk with you more powerfully. In Jesus' name, amen. The central idea of fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. There is nothing wrong with the normal functions of life, it is simply that there are times when we set them aside to consecrate ourselves to God. And so we, uh, as a church, we set aside a three-day fast at the beginning of every season. So with the beginning of winter, we're setting aside this three-day fast at the beginning of winter. We're calling you to pray and fast for things around your world and around the life of the church. And it becomes a setting aside of what we're doing. I think a lot of Christians suffer from unanswered prayer because we're still walking in the flesh rather than walking in the spirit. Though we're saved and their spirit's alive, they have not made the conscious choice to walk in the spirit where they have access to God and his power. God connects with our spirit, not our flesh. So a fast is a designed to be uncomfortable, designed to take you out of your comfort zone, designed to actually stir you uh, and to impact you and to affect your flesh so that your spirit will be get, get sharper. You know, one of the things about uh, a fast is that it reorientates us around our personal spiritual disciplines. And there's the ancient practices of our Christian faith, like solitude and silence, which we should be embracing. And it seems to be all the more difficult in this day and age to embrace these, these uh, practices of the Christian faith. But, you know, as we determined to do these, we will find ourselves growing in the things of God and things of the Spirit. We can fast from people, from media, from communication, from advertising, from our consumer culture. We can fast from sleeping in. We can fast all of these kind of things. But we can also uh, adopt a food fast or a partial food fast and combine, combine it with a, a lifestyle fast such as what I've just described. 
And the intention is that we're redirecting our focus on God. So that when we would normally be thinking, okay, we're going to eat and drink or do whatever, we're actually, oh no, that's right, I'm fasting, I'm going to pray. And it may be just a five-minute window during the course of the, the morning or the day or whenever it is, but you're prompted instead to be responding to the flesh, you're actually responding to the Spirit and going into that place of prayer. Or maybe it's a place of solitude or silence or just contemplation, putting God first. The power of fasting has less to do with food than with setting yourself apart for a specific period of time to focus more on the Lord and to focus on prayer and on worship. In other words, the power of fasting is found when you consecrate yourself to the Lord and discipline yourself to focus on Him. That's how your spiritual experience is enhanced. I would love for all of us to be on the other side of this three days of fasting to have an enhanced spiritual experience, whatever that may mean for you. Fasting is often at the beginning of a new day, a new beginning, a start, the start of God doing something new, something great. So if you're feeling stale in your walk with God, if you're feeling like you need something new from God, then take this opportunity to actually initiate and spark that into activity and into happening. Jesus began his ministry with a 40-day fast. Moses birthed the nation of Israel by ascending to Mount Sinai and fasting in the presence of God for 40 days. Elijah fasted for 40 days as he journeyed to the mountain of Horeb uh, into an encounter with God. Paul began his ministry after he was saved, fasting for three days. The door to the Gentiles was opened through fasting and prayer of Peter. New things, significant things happen in the scheme and the economy of God when we fast and pray. So I want to have a look at uh, some thoughts on fasting. And have a look at a bunch of scriptures around this as well. So firstly, fasting should focus our attention on God. Let's have a look at Matthew 6, 16 and 18. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. This is the Bible. I'm reading it to you. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He will reward you well. And so we can. it's not about what's happening externally. It's about what's happening on the inside of us. It's, you know, don't practice some appetite-denying discipline unless you're actually wanting to concentrate on God. But an appetite-denying discipline, I love that phrase. It's kind of challenging, isn't it? Because it's it's got a ring of uncomfortability about it. But that's what we're doing. He will reward you well. God will reward you. We seek God for himself. 2 Chronicles 20, 2 and 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He wanted to get closer to God, so he called the nation to fast. He called all those around him to fast and to pray, to get to know God better. And that's essentially what we're doing at church, a calling a church together to fast and pray so that we can get to know God better. The Bible says that when we seek God with all our heart, we will find him. So here's an opportunity to wholeheartedly seek God over this three-day period, and you will find him. You might not find him in the way you expect to, but you will find him. 
We want to renew the first love of our lives, maybe, which is a love for Christ. Not what it, just what he has done for us and can do for us, but the love of him and his person. The love of Christ. Maybe that's what we're doing to seeking, in seeking God. So fasting, firstly, should be focusing our attention on God. The second thought around fasting is it, it is an expression of humility. Ezra 8.21 says this, and there by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children and our goods as we traveled. But there's a sense of when you fast and pray that God is getting involved in your world, in the practical elements of your world. But also, it's, a, it's an act of humility. It's like, you know what? We don't have the resources in and of ourselves. We actually need you, God. And so humility, we respond with a sense of spiritual introspection. We can ask the questions, you know what, God? What is, in, is it in me that you want to deal with in this time and in this season? Or, and, you know, a spiritual examination, asking ourselves questions about how we're actually walking, how we're going with God, how we're doing spiritually and, and that kind of thing. Or maybe it's a confession, a spiritual confession. Lord, I've just been hanging on to this thing, this hardness of heart for so long. Lord, I just want to lay it down. I want to see this thing broken over this fasting season. Or maybe it's a spiritual intercession time that, you know what, God, I'm going to use this three days to, to pray into and see a shift happen in this situation that I'm concerned about in, in my life or in others that I'm concerned about around me. But it's this act of humility, but it's a sense of the, the humility is in our surrender to God and that he is the only one that can actually answer and change our world and our circumstances. Psalm 35.13 says this, And I humble myself with fasting. It is a, a humbling thing to do, is to actually fast. And so that's what we do as an expression of humility. The third thought about fasting is that it is a means of separating ourselves unto God. Acts 13.2 and 3 one day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. The importance of fasting and prayer. Maybe, it's in, maybe you're not appointing people to ministry, but maybe it's inviting people into your life and into your world. Maybe it's giving people uh, insight into your life and into your world, what that looks like. But I love it. When it's like out of um, the fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. I'm a really big fan of the sense that God leads us when it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. We get that sense of peace. We get that sense that he's guiding and leading us. It seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. And so I think when we're fasting, we're more sharply attuned to hearing that sense of the Holy Spirit working in us. And it becomes a very, very powerful thing. And so and after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. It's so powerful to be actually doing these sorts of things and separating ourselves unto God. It's about reestablishing Jesus as the center of our lives, not food or the luxuries of life. And that we're prepared to live with inconvenience so that we can have him back at the center of our lives again. Fasting and prayer reignites our passion for Christ. And people find themselves encountering God himself. And this 
actually sets our heart on fire again for the purposes and the plan of God. You know, we're praying into uh, one of the things that's coming up next Sunday is uh, Pentecost Sunday. You know, the first Pentecost was uh, launched out of a prayer and, I dare say, fasting meeting. And we're praying and fasting into Pentecost Sunday because there may be people in your life and in your world, prodigals you know that have walked away from God, that need to come back to God. There may, may be need. Well, there's not maybe a need. We want to see the power of God at work in this place, the fire of God getting a hold of people afresh and again and anew and changing them and in, uh, setting them on fire for the things of God. And so that's what we can do as we prepare for next Sunday, for Pentecost Sunday. So, the, so that's the third thing, a means of separating ourselves unto God. The fourth thing is fasting and seeking God. Joel 2.12 says this. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping and mourning. Even if I left it at that. It's like, come now. There's an urgency in this prophetic word that God is calling to us. While there's still time for us to turn to him. Give our hearts back to him. If we've taken a hold of our hearts and shielded and protected and guarded our hearts, let's give our hearts back to God and allow him with fasting and weeping and mourning. It's an incredibly emotive experience to fast because it breaks down our resistance and it, and it engages us in an emotive way with God. It engages our emotions. God is the I am and therefore he is. In the seeking of God, we come before him. He is whatever he needs to be for you. If you are sick, he is the healer. If you are in debt, he is the debt canceller and the provider. If you are bound, he is the deliverer and he sets you free. If you are down, he is the lifter of your head. If you are lost, he is the finder. If you are thirsty, he is the fountain of life. If you are hungry, he is the bread of life. If you are in darkness, he is the light of the world. If you are a sinner, he is the Lamb of God, your sacrifice for sin, to cleanse you and make you right with God. We seek God during times of fasting and prayer because it does something in us. And he is there for us, fasting and seeking God. Fasting is an expression, number five, of repentance. Jonah 3, 5, and 10, uh, 5 to 10, I'm going to read this whole portion to give a bit of context to it. Remember last year we did the book of Jonah. We, we saw how Jonah kind of came back to God uh, and responded. But uh, Jonah in chapter 3 verse 5, The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Burlap is um, like a... A material. It's like a hemp kind of material, I understand. I looked it up because I didn't know what it was. Sackcloth, that kind of thing. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast. They believed God the message and they declared a fast. And they, they showed their sorrow. It's like this heart of repentance that they wore before God. And when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes, as you do. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from the herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pay, pray earnestly to God. 
They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Their prayer and fasting was so impacting that it turned the nation around. It impacted the leader of the nation. It changed the heart of God. When you and I are living out of a repentant heart, out of a changed and turned around life, it affects people. It affects circumstances and it affects our world. And so it breaks the cycles of shame and guilt and condemnation. When we repent and we say, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to turn my ways around towards you. It actually is a very, very powerful thing. And it actually makes a public statement and declaration to those who are looking on when they see the power of the, of the repentance. But I believe that the repentance and the power of that is, is born in, in, the, in prayer and fasting. We take, when we take control of our physical appetite, we develop strength to can take control of our emotional appetite. It's like we're not going to let our appetites rule us. We are actually going to be disciplined enough to know how to uh, exercise these appropriate disciplines. So I would encourage you uh, for your fasting, if it needs to be an expression of repentance in this season, then, then do that. Then do that. And uh, see what God will do. The sixth thought around fasting. Fasting for deliverance. Isaiah 58 verse 6. This is the kind of fast day that I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. To get rid of exploitation in the workplace. To free the oppressed and cancel debts. That's the kind of fast that God is after. Breaking chains. A chain-breaking kind of fast. That's what I'm believing for in our church. A chain-breaking fast. Getting rid of exploitation, whether, whether you're the victim of exploitation in the workforce or, or whatever. Setting free the oppressed, cancelling debts. And then he goes on to say, What I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry. Invite the homeless into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage and when, then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and he'll say, here I am. This is the power of fasting and praying this is the power of, the, of deliverance prayer, breaking the chains, breaking the chains, the kind of fast that breaks the chains. Now, maybe you find that you've just had things in your life and in your world that have been binding you up for way too long. It is time for those chains to be broken. There was a period of time when Deb and I, uh, we discovered that on both sides of our family that we had uh, Freemasonry and Deb's uh, grandfather uh, her paternal grandfather was actually the Grand Mason in Lithgow, I think it was. And we came across this information and realized that we actually needed to do something about this. So for a three-month period, we decided to set aside one night each week and, to, and one day and one night to fast and to pray. 
and we got hold of the 78 curses that the Freemasons proclaim over their families as they progress through the ranks. They, they, they are guised as prayers, but they're actually curses of pronouncement over the family. And so over a three-month period, Deb and I, we got hold of these uh, 78 curses and we went through them one by one and we renounced every curse and every bondage that was attached to those things over us and over our family and over our kids and over our family line and we broke every single one of those things. It took a, a period of time but we decided it was going to be worthwhile. At the end of that three-month period we had Fergus McIntyre, one of our prophets in C3, come to the church and uh, he called Deb out and prophesied over Deb and said, the work that you've begun three months to ago today is finished. And it was like we knew that the power of those things had been broken because one by one we prayed and renounced every single one of those cursed things. And sometimes the prayer of deliverance needs to be uh, made and spoken and effective in a real and a powerful way. And that's what we actually want to do. We break the chains. 1 Kings 19 verses 4 and verse 8 says this. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So this is Elijah. This is the Elijah fast, if you like. And came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life for I know better than my father's. He had just won a significant victory for God's people and he was in the most depressed state that he'd ever been in. He didn't feel he had anything left. He didn't feel that he had anything to offer for God. And yet he makes this statement to God and says, you know, Lord, take my life. And I dare say that there are people here, even tonight, that have reached that point in your journey. It's like, you know what? It's all too hard. God knows how that feels. God knows what that's about. But then there's the Elijah fast. So it goes on to say that he arose when God came and visited him, encouraged him and breathed life and hope into him. And, and so he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. You know, when, when we get our sustenance from God, it carries us way further than anything that we can get from what the world has to offer. So maybe there's the opportunity to see some chains broken off our lives, to see some patterns broken, some generational patterns, some things that have been there for way too long broken through the course of this fast as we do this beginning of this winter season. You know, some of the habits of the heart that might need to be broken. Some of the besetting sins, which are the generational things that have been visited from generation to generation, can be broken through the power of fasting and prayer. And I want you to be spiritually aware enough to, to say to yourself, you know what, there's a spiritual dimension to the things that I'm battling that are not natural, they're supernatural. They're not, uh, they're not carnal. They're, we need the weapons of our warfare to be spiritual and to tear these things down. And so, the, so we enter into this season of, of chain breaking over our lives, over, over our lives. Change thinking leads to change beliefs. Change beliefs lead to changed expectations. Changed expectations lead to changed attitudes. Changed attitudes lead to changed actions. Changed actions lead to changed habits. And changed habits lead to character formation. If we want to get a hold of God in a whole new way, it starts with change, changing our thinking. 
changing our thinking. You know what? God wants to break these things off my life. He has the power to break these things off our lives. You know, there's an incredible scripture in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus has an encounter with a father and the, the father's son who has been mute and tormented by a devil for way too long for all his life. And he throws, one minute he's throwing the kid into the fire, the next minute he's throwing him into the water and the father is beside himself. He doesn't know what to do. As a father, you sometimes feel really helpless. And so as a last ditch thing, he brings this, his son to, to Jesus and says, you know, you know, if you can, will you do something with him? Will you heal him? And I love Jesus' response. Jesus says in, in Mark chapter 9, he says, what do you mean if? It's kind of like I'm here to say to you tonight, Jesus is saying, what do you mean if? I can do this. I can do this. There is, everything is possible. Everything is possible. That's what the scripture says. What do you mean if? I'm here to say to you tonight, rewrite the if. It's not an if anymore. It's actually now is the time. Brain-shaking brain time. Chain-breaking time. Now is the time. Now is the time. You know, I think the freedom is on the other side of renouncing the hidden things of shame. Freedom is on the other side of the chain-breaking power of God that gets rattled when we fast and pray. So I'm believing that for these three days, as you take seriously the injunction, the call to arms for us as a church to fast and to pray, that it will change your life and rock your world. And the seventh thought around fasting is that Fasting for revelation of Scripture. You know, sometimes we, we can read Scripture and, and think, well, it doesn't, I don't get it. I don't understand what it means. It's just, it's just dry bones. There's nothing in it. But when we fast, suddenly the Word of God can come alive. Suddenly life, things can change in a whole new way. And I love what it says in Daniel chapter 9, 1 to 4. Darius, the son of A, of a Born a Mede, became king over the land of Babylon. For the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, was meditating on the scriptures that gave, according to the word of God, to the prophet Jeremiah, the number of years that Jerusalem had to lie in ruins, namely 70. Daniel is trying to read the word to find out what God's saying to him and to his people. Are you reading the word to find out what God is saying to you and to your people, your family, your connect group, your, your work? Are you reading the word of God to, to get what God is saying for you? And he, he says, I turn to the master God, asking for an answer, praying earnestly, fasting from meals, wearing rough, penetrable burlap, and kneeling in the ashes. I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God, my God. It's kind of like there's just this craving in him to hear what God was saying to him it for him, himself and his situation. And I would encourage you, read the word with an intensity and an expectation of what God is going to speak to you and share with you as you bear your soul before God. And I, just, I, I know that he's going to show you things and reveal, reveal things to you that are going to change your world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to fast and to pray. Lord, that we would take seriously and we would take to heart this call to pray. And I thank you, Lord, that the words that you spoke to Isaiah 
that the kind of fast that you're after, God, is a chain-breaking fast. It's a fast that breaks off injustice and gets rid of exploitation. It frees people and cancels debt. Father, I pray that that kind of fast would be what is characterized by the people of C3 Monash in the three days towards the end of this week. I pray that there will be a spiritual shaping and sharpening that comes out of our fasting, God. That there will be a sensitivity to what you are saying and doing in and through our lives. Father, I ask today... Lord, for those of us that know the chains that need to be broken, Lord, that we can see those chains broken, God, that we can engage in the process of your deliverance of us, God. And we thank you, Lord, that it's not a question of if you can do it. It's, you're saying to us, what do you mean if? Nothing is impossible. Anything is possible to you, God. And so, Father, we pray as we position ourselves spiritually and, and physically to engage in a whole new way. Father, that you would speak to our hearts afresh. And I thank you, God, for every single person here tonight. I thank you for what you're doing in us. I thank you that uh, over these few days of fasting and prayer, that things will shift. Things will break. Demonic strongholds will be broken. Freedom will come. We will see things in a new way. That we will be the light bringers that this scripture talks about and encourages us to be. That our lives are here to be the light to other people. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. Right now in this place, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, I want to give you the opportunity. I want to say, don't leave this place tonight without knowing that God loves you and that Jesus is the best thing, the best person that you could ever meet. And I would love to introduce you to him. So at the end of the service, I invite you to come forward and just say, you know what, I want to respond to that invitation to meet Jesus. And I just lead you in a, a quiet prayer together. But I just want to encourage each and every one of us who are walking with God in this time and in this season that we reprioritize that we fall back in love with God and that we believe that he can do the extraordinary things that we need him to do, that we can't do in the natural. Father, tonight, I pray. I pray new wine. I pray new wine over each and every one of us that in the crushing, in the pressing, Lord, we will sense you in a new, fresh, and a real way. And so, God, I thank you for the work you are doing in each and every one of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.